1: Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Monday, the 28th of July, 2008. Newcomers, I always advise to go into the CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and download as much of the previous talks as you can handle. Also, look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts, which you can download and print up. They're done in the various languages of Europe. But this summer has been a, literally, it was called a washout. A washout because it's rained pretty well every day, or else it's been completely overcast every day. The few breaks you have in the clouds, they show you these amazing jets just flying back and forth with the big sprays. And they're showing you a new type of spray, and a new kind of jet, too. It was three times as fast as the old one. Leaving behind it this trail, which almost disappears, and then suddenly rematerializes and blossoms out much quicker than the old type. quite astounding to watch. And then, of course, you tune into regular media, where your reality comes from, and they're telling you you're causing global warming and greenhouse gases. And that, that you're the problem, for this odd weather phenomena that we're experiencing, and yet those who've been following this for years and have done their homework to do with the harp technologies, coupled with the spraying technologies that were talked about back as early as 1950s by Teller, the guy who invented the H bomb, where he said that metallic particles put into the atmosphere would Vastly improve the quality of harp for weather manipulation and also mood alterations of the public. The mood alteration part is in the United Nations Treaty on Weather Warfare, done in the 70s. Easiest thing to do. But as I say, the reality comes from TV, and that perception becomes a reality. Repetition. Repetition, repetition, repetition from the new priests of the new world order, which are scientists. Scientists. They've taken over, you see. And Veteran Russell, in his book, The Impact of Science and Technology on Society, he said that we shall create a nation or a world where people cannot do anything without the advice of experts. Lo and behold, it's happened. We can't think for ourselves. Very old techniques, written about, published, discussed at big international meetings, are now at work. The magi are in the skies, and the alchemy is all over the place. It's two different worlds, really, colliding. Because you have the one you've been brainwashed into believing exists through the media where you, you think we're evolving. And you really think you're evolving through your whole life long with major events happening outside of your life that eventually affect you and are dealt with by politicians. That's how you're trained to believe. And you're also trained to believe that somewhere in all that, you have some kind of voice, which is a, a good con. It works very well because really you don't have any voice. Only the largest groups in democracies have voices that was discussed back in the 1800s when they talked about giving the public democracy. The largest groups would have the voices, the rest would have no say at all. You're allowed to vote people in, at least vote for A, B, C and D, who go along with the same agenda. And I'll be back with more of The Wizard of Oz after this break. I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, trying to point out some of the realities that really do exist amongst all the confusion. And that's how it's done, that's how you can choose people, is give them a whole bunch of different realities and many topics to choose from, many variations on each topic led by different experts and you just run in circles forever adapting one after another and adopting one after the other until it becomes your own opinion. That's the one you stick with, generally, until you die. That's the world we live in. Most folk do not reason things through for themselves, and they don't rely on something that's very important, something that people used to, something called memory. The beauty of being able to live a few years is you can remember things if you were conscious at the time. And I remember when the big chemical industries came out with a massive advertising campaign across the Western world, to sell the values and the beauty of eating margarine. Uh, This gooey, amazing chemical stuff that was sold as a substitute for butter. And at the time, I was reading uh, various books, including Russell and, and other ones to do with eugenics and how to bring the sperm count down and all the rest of it. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that's got anything to do with it. And lo and behold, of course it did. This is also in Charles Galton Darwin's book, The Next Million Years, How to Bring Down the Sperm Count, How to Give Even Female Hormones to Males, and them to an extent, and How to Even Make the Females More Masculine. All discussed at higher level meetings, world meetings, by members of the aristocracy, with scientists involved, and Charles Galton Darwin was a scientist, a physicist, Nothing happens by chance in the system, nothing at all. And sure enough, over the years, after margarine and all the rest of it, came the big cholesterol scare. Remember, too, these characters have said for a hundred years or more they'd create a vegetarian society. And so meat suddenly was blamed for everything. Still is. Now it's blamed for global warming. And and ruminants, of course, are the claimer, creating more gases than anything. get you off meat then we had the mad cow disease and we take their word for it of course only one laboratory in Britain could detect it and it was a military industrial laboratory so we take their word for it as they slaughtered millions of animals any length at all they'll go to to get the job done, in fact the bigger the con and the bigger the show the display, the more we're, we believe, it. we can't imagine them doing anything so big, such a grand scale, just like landing on the moon. And then you have flags blowing in the wind, which shouldn't exist. Stuff like that. The big, big one. And the cholesterol levels go blame for everything. And over the years, they keep giving you new normals. Until you're, you've got halal and your cholesterol at all, but it's still too high you pay, of course, you always pay for the medications to make sure that if they forced you to take medications, you'd wonder why they were giving it to you. As long as you pay for it, you'll really believe they're there to help you. So after that preludes into this whole con game to do with your health and how to lower sperm and all the rest of it, here's an article years, years, years later showing you what they knew at the beginning. And it's from Virgin Media, 24th July 2008. Soya linked to low sperm count. Too much tofu may affect a man's fertility, according to a study linking soya and low sperm count. Scientists found that even modest consumption of soya products such as meat and dairy substitutes and bean curd can have a significant impact on sperm count. They knew this at the beginning. Always keep that in mind. Because it falls in line with the agenda. Anything that falls in line with the agenda, and, and everything pretty well does, had to be planned that way. Sometimes, by the law of averages, something should fall on the side of the public but it doesn't. You see? It says men who eat an average of half a serving of soya food a day had lower concentrations of sperm, than those who did not. Low sperm count is known to make it harder for a man to, to conceive, I mean, produce healthy uh, sperm. Soil compounds called is, isoflavones, which mimic the female sex hormone, and mimics the female sex hormone, hormone estrogen, long charles, galt, darwin's line, are thought to be behind the effect. Animal studies have linked high consumption of isoflavones with infertility. So they always knew it, you see. But until now, there has been little evidence of their impact on human reproduction, I'll add, except at the top. Sperm count ranges between 80 and 120 million sperm per millimetre of semen for normal, healthy men. But researchers in the U.S. found that among the men they studied, those with the highest soya intake produced much less sperm. On average, their counts were 41 million per milliliter lower than those of men who did not consume soya products. The scientists, led by Dr. George Chavarro from the Harvard School of Public Health in Boston, questioned 99 men seeking help for fertility problems about their consumption of 15 soya-based foods. Each man was asked about his diet in the previous three months. The foods included tofu, tempeh, soy sausages, bacon, burgers and mince, soy milk, cheese, yogurt and ice cream and other soya products such as roasted nuts, drinks, puggers, and energy bars. Do you know that almost every candy you can buy, or sweetie, as we say in Britain, everyone, they're using soya flour in them all now. They've been doing that for years. You can't get away from it. The scientists varied several, or severing sizes to take account of the fact that different foods contain different levels of isoflavones. A standard serving of tofu was said to be 115 grams, and for soya milk, one two 40-millimeter cup factors such as age, body, mass, index, which relates weight and height, smoking, alcohol, and caffeine intake, and the length of time since last, producing semen were adjusted for. And that was also in the Press Association, a whole bunch of different newspapers. So there you go. It's another big coincidence that just falls in line uh, with the depopulation program. And you know, infertility today is... The most booming industry there is in the Western world. It's a very, very wealthy industry, both for males and females, in fertility. Quite amazing. But most folks, I say, will float through lives thinking everything just evolves by chance, willy nilly, and it's all out of control until the scientists give us a solution to things. It never dawns on them the scientists caused it in the first place because it's part of an agenda has to be a part of the agenda, because how many wish lists could you draw up and, by luck, fulfill them all? It'd be impossible. The law of averages say half should be half. The coins should always come down at least half the time, heads or tails. But they say these guys at the top publish what they want, and lo and behold, it transpires every time. These guys have got a lot, a lot of luck. Guaranteed that. And that's the world you live in. That's the world. Now, here's just another little bit before I go on to colors here. And it's to do with water. Back in the 60s, they had, I think it was the late 60s, early 70s, they had a big international meeting for the United Nations in Israel. They chose, they chose these places that the average person can't go to very easily. And that was where they said that the coming big moneymaker in power holder would be those who controlled water as far back as that because after all you see in a war for the world and off the world you always go for water and food that's standard even when you're sieging a city when you besiege a city you get your, the water supply cut it off and you have them by the short and curlies and you cut off their food supply and you just wait them out they must have water and food to survive very simple Never changes, and I remember in Britain, where they, and it's the same across the world, they, they use public tax money, local money usually, to build up the big facilities for gas and for water and all these these things like sewage and so on. And it works for a fine for a long time. And then they change the government and they say, oh, it's so inefficient, we we'll have to privatise it. So they they give it to peanuts to their buddies, literally peanuts. And it was arranged that way from the beginning. Get the schmucks to build it, pay for it, and then give it to their buddies to privatize. That happened in Britain with every facility there was, including the rail industry. And I remember in Britain, there was a bunch of politicians who first put ahead this bill to privatize the water industry. And the same guys who put the bills forward and backed it all left Two years later, and became the heads of these companies that now owned the water. That's how blatant it all is. This particular article is from The Guardian, July the 12th, 2008. and says, water bills to rise 450 uh, million pounds to save well life. 450 million pounds to save well life. And consumers face increase of up to £30 a year, as firms told to find new supplies. This is the country where everyone wanted to immigrate from because it was always raining. You were flooded in Britain. That was a natural way of it. Householders face a bill of nearly half a billion pounds after water companies have been asked to slash the amount of water they have taken from rivers and aquifers and find alternative supplies. The price rises follow a review by an environmental agency which found widespread damage and threats to wildlife including precious chalk rivers and wetlands and other protected habitats for water voles, salmon and other wildlife. All those things they can recreate if they want to. But today's science. The move raises the prospect of new investment in controversial schemes including pumping water from the wet north of England and Wales to the south energy-hungry, desalination plants, and new reservoirs. Guess who's going to benefit back after the following messages? Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And just going over that little bit about the water in Britain, which is only a guideline for the rest of the world, and how these guys supposedly are so concerned about wildlife and water voles and all the rest of it. When it all goes back to the Earth Charter, the Earth Charter was put forward by Canada's Maurice Strong, who's a frontman for the Rockefeller Eugenics Foundation. And really it was Rockefellers who drafted up the Earth Charter. There's now in law, where people have no rights at all and animals have all the rights. But mind you, you have a priesthood who decides what animals have what rights. There's always a priesthood, you saying of experts. So we can't reason for ourselves, we're supposed to obey. And Maurice Strong, at that particular Charter was asked by someone who attended it, what about humans? There's, there's rights for trees and wildlife, but what about humans? Especially Americans, he says, you'll wish, he says, you had the same rights as a tree. That's Maurice Strong for you. The front man for the Rockefeller the guy who's now working for the United Nations, who goes in and out of the United Nations and gets sent to assignments across the world. The guy who, when they set up a department in China for extra trade with China, they did a documentary on public broadcasting and Morris Strong went to a graveyard in China to visit his aunt, who was the best friend of Mao Zedong, an advisor. These families are international revolutionaries down through the ages. Quite fascinating. Quite fascinating, and they're still on the go, and they live to a very old age because they don't get the old age diseases they've given everyone else. There are antidotes to them, and they get the real stuff. Now, we will go to the phones, and I've got Rick in California. Are you there, Rick?
2: Yes, I'm here. I'm here, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I just want to, um, this is sort of like a follow-up call. I just wanted to I wanted to, to thank you for the information you shared with uh, me last week about, you know, Charles Francis Galton and his letter about the Chinese in Africa. Yeah. I, it really helped me to understand and clear up some of the questions I had about Mugabe and, and, yeah.
1: sorry, was that? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, there's all the papers now full of, of Mugabe with Chinese troops behind them and, and all the rest of it. And people can't get their minds around the fact. That Galton Darwin published this in the 1800s that they'd, they'd create China that they'd bring the Chinese into Africa. This mm-hmm. is a long-term business plan. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I also, wanted to share too. Um, last night, I stumbled across a video online where these British uh, ministers or, or, or MPs were talking, and they were kind of laughing among themselves, but they were they, they couldn't believe they couldn't get their minds around that. That Mugabe was knighted by the Queen in 1994 after he killed thousands of people in Matabella land, mm-hmm. and yep. um, and I was wondering, you know, so I was wondering what you think of that. So, well,
1: it's nothing new in that. I mean, uh, you, you'll find that the Emperor of Japan was knighted into the Order of the Gatra back mm-hmm. in the, the early 1900s, and I've got the photographs here of the big admirals and so on going through the ceremony on behalf of the the King. So they always do this with what appears to be their opponents. They're actually following a world agenda.
2: Yeah, I see. I see Mugabe's a psychopath now, and he's very convincing with his black liberation
1: talk. But he's not really a friend of the black people. No, no, no. These guys are not friends of them at all. No.
2: So I just want—that's all I wanted to share with you. Thank you very much, Alan.
1: And thanks for calling.
2: All right. All right. Bye bye.
1: I know. You got Frank from Toronto. Are you there, Frank? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can
0: hear you now. Oh, there's some kind of reverb there, was there? Wasn't there ever, yeah. Oh, boy. Good effects, though. Good effects. (laughs) Good effects. Okay. Uh, I guess I was calling on, um, I called to speak of a documentary that I saw just recently of a defector from the KGB. Uh, who had been groomed as his father before him, as they all seem to be apparently. And yeah. this guy, this fellow, is very candid. He worked for the CBC in Canada. I get, uh, I, as me, it put out that, that
1: word, so you're repeating something that I put out a while ago. <laughs> oh, do, I put out the, the guy's name and stuff uh, a few weeks back.
0: Yeah. Is that why I downloaded the documentary and watched it?
1: That's probably why, yeah.
0: And it was this a fellow who was was forecasting that once, once the Soviet Union, or or in each and every event that they ever took over a country, they would go in and eliminate all the people?
1: They that, eliminate that those were, who helped were, bring it in.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. So that's probably why I went and downloaded that. Good. And then uh, then on the other uh, on the other note, um, actually, it was really quite a pleasure to uh, watch him. I downloaded that movie that you spoke of, which was. Um, storm of the century yeah and that was fabulous and what and, I, and you never did comment as to why you wanted us to watch it although I think I may suspect I, uh, I suspect I don't know why uh-huh. what, what was the
1: point of you wanted us to watch this uh... there's a lot in there a lot in there about the microcosm of society which is also the microcosm in other words the psychology of the people a community is the same as you can do with the whole continent a whole country and uh, the techniques of of exposure, how they react to exposure, how everyone is kept in line by the little secrets, um, is is utilised by those who control the people themselves. And also how the people, when faced with a tremendous problem, how they will act and how they'll sacrifice each other.
0: And I happen to know that soya yeah, hold, beans hold, hold hold on, and I'll come back after this break. Yeah.
3: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi, this is Alan Watt, and we're on Cutting Through the Matrix, and we're talking to Frank from Toronto, who's going to mention Sawyer
0: there. Yes, sir, I heard you speaking of soya, and I... I do recall being exposed uh, some information about soybean being a female hormone, estrogen.
1: That's in, in your, r- this report, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, was that in your report also? Yeah.
1: I just okay, did, it, yeah. <laughs> I,
0: and this was an attempt to
1: uh, keep. The, <laughs> this was an attempt by the, empire, the emperor to keep the people short, right? Yeah. Well, in fact, they've always known that uh, an essential ingredient for healthy sperm is cholesterol. Cholesterol. So yeah, you, you have to diminish the cholesterol level to create unhealthy sperm. And everything falls into place when you understand the strategy. Everything suddenly makes sense. Yeah. Diminish the cholesterol
0: to keep... So they've been having us... Uh, I, I remember being uh encouraged not to have any cholesterol in my diet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, well, it didn't seem to work too well, but I mean... Uh, I can uh, i can see what the what they okay and so now now the estrogen as you were saying earlier keeps the people um each successive
1: generation becomes shorter 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 they also have um what they have noticed since the 60s and carol quigley make, made mention of it too is the females were becoming narrower in the hips and that the guys were becoming narrower in the shoulders and that was a sudden transition that's now fairly common well, that's a very racist thing to be doing i mean not
0: racist but uh
1: you're being re-engineered
0: yes 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 i think i might get my uh my lady on on, on the um the uh soybean diet though you know
1: uh uh-huh.
0: that might be a good idea that's a, that sounds like a nice idea that might be something for to introduce to the health the health uh, clubs there for uh, all the girls
1: trying to downsize right well, that's only downsize, all right, and the population gets downsized too. And it's also the other effects that come into it. a lot of physical effects come from all of this. And I've always said, whatever they promote at the top, I do the opposite.
0: Absolutely, yes. I, I see. Uh, well, I can't always do that, but uh, uh, myself. But I, but um, I see as you were saying. Um, oh, and then uh, well, I have nothing more to say. It seems that uh, what I'm bringing is old news, and. Uh, I'm just uh, in eagerly uh, trying to participate in your shows here. They're all—they're all so excellent. Thank you for another good evening,
1: sir. Uh, thanks for calling. Thank you. Now, I've got Bill from Florida, are you there, Bill?
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm the head of the fact check department. Okay. Our, our fearless leader. The fearless leader. You, You—you—you made a, uh, a mention of our a speech he gave, our that our fearless leader gave, where he ostensibly said something along the lines of, if you're not with us, you're against us. Mm-hmm. And that's a common misquote. The, the reality was much more malicious than that, and it just bugs me that people uh-huh. uh, use the misquote. He actually said, either you're with us or you're with the terrorists.
1: Yeah, that's now right. That's and a that's right. statement. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's exactly it, because you're now being designated, if you don't agree, you are a terrorist. And we do know, and this was said by Kissinger when he made this speech in Germany, and, and one of the, uh, the Arab countries too, he said uh, Americans are often um, using this term terrorism and anti-terrorism, and he defined what they meant by a terrorist as someone who's anti-globalist, that is a terrorist. I
3: think that it was misquoted on purpose because it was it, it, the way it was bandied about. I, I, I'm almost thinking that it, that there were talking papers where people were more or less said, "Well, if you want to be helpful, don't don't repeat the exact quote." But there were yeah. two two other things I wanted to mention. One, another kind of a uh, fact check thing. I, I think that you're. Missing the boat halfway when you talk about the weather modification aspect of the chemtrails,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I think that it you, you also ought to be focusing on the fact that we're being made into radio receivers. Well,
1: I've already done with, that. I did that. Oh, over you have. Two, two years ago, I went into the fact that the more metallic particles you accumulate from the spray, it's in the food that you're breathing it in, you're drinking it in, then you become a walking antenna.
3: Yeah, and then we can have dial-in
1: diseases,
3: and and it can tie right in with the uh, GMO foods.
1: Yes, it does. Almost okay, well does. then
3: the third third thing I wanted to I want to get your take on. I think there's there's the the most in, in, incredible uh, synchronicity was the other day when you said something along the lines of that that communism is is the chosen order of things. The collectivism. And it reminded me of of Ben Parton because he's the only one who's out there beating the path to the third international mm-hmm. and And I think that that you 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 two are are the closest to the truth that mm-hmm. I've seen yet or heard yet he, yeah. and I wish you'd talk more about the Third international because he's saying that that it's a program that's literally unfolding before our very eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: It was designed to unfold, and I've gone through even, the, again, a very important thing to see is that it's up on YouTube, I think, is uh, Norman Dodds talking about the Rees Commission, where he went in to investigate on behalf of the Senate, the foundations, who stated to him, and you'll hear him in his own words saying this, that the guy in charge of the CEO of the Ford Foundation said, our job is to merge the Soviet system seamlessly with the West. So you're no. seeing it, yeah.
3: How far? When? When was that? Because he's saying what it was. Was it 1928? Oh no, this the was the third done in, international. This was even before then. Uh, the
1: mission was done, I think, in the 60s. Oh,
3: okay. Well, he's he's going back to the 1928.
1: I think the third international. Yeah. It was in Moscow, I think. It was in Moscow. Uh, I have all the books from it. They were printed in New York. In fact, all the, all the English editions, uh, right through all the years, I have all their books, all their major statements. And the thing to look at, too, is when the Berlin Wall went down and Gorbachev, remember, the leader of this big greening project in America, uh, Gorbachev was head of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Um, He basically called people uh, and told them to leave town, The, the leaders of the Soviet countries. He says, just leave town. And only one person in Bulgaria, one leader there, did not follow orders, and he was killed. The rest of them left town. You saw this cheering going on. This was the, the next phase where they blended into the West and where it go global. Then uh, I think it was uh, Eric Margolis did a piece in the Toronto Sun. If the whole speech that Gorbachev gave to the Politburo where he said, this is not the end of communism, you'll, be, you'll hear that it is. He says we're simply moving into the next phase of internationalism.
3: Well, I'd, I'd love to hear you and, and uh, General Ben have a little chat. And uh, I don't know if you ever have guests, but... He's the one who really, hes uh, is, I'm sure you know about him, right? Yeah. He's the one who was a, a really uh, top-notch guy in the field of, of weaponry, and then he came right in and stated very clearly that the Oklahoma City job was, was an inside job, and, and then he, he was a highly paid uh, government uh, expert private expert, on yeah. you know, on the payroll, and then all of a sudden the government turned around and said he didn't know what he was talking about, and he was saying that there were charges on those columns.
1: So yeah. I'd, I'd like to see you uh, chatting with him sometime, if at all possible. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a certain level you get to where you're above all of that because you've studied the whole history of this, and people can get fixed on certain parts of the, the agenda. You've to see the whole thing, why it was designed. You've to understand that the U.S. and Canada fed the Soviet Union through its entire existence. They couldn't feed themselves. All of our grain pretty well was sent there. It was massive contracts. Now the farmers are bankrupt here because they don't have that outlet anymore. China's supplying them. And uh, uh, it was called the Great Experiment, the second great experiment. The U.S. uh, revolution and the system they brought in was called the first great experiment, the Soviet was the second one. And out of the two that blended them together with a form of fascism at the top, with collectivism at the bottom, run by bureaucracy. That was always the agenda. And Trotsky himself uh, became an enemy of the communist system with his, his trotsky uh, doctrine because he believed in perpetual revolution. He didn't think it was right that all these rich uh, aristocrats were being given tours of this new Soviet Union And he wondered what the game was when his communist leaders were giving tours to top aristocracy and royalty. That's because the royalty wanted to see how to control a country more efficiently. He didn't quite get it, so he had to be eliminated, and he was. He was assassinated. So uh, that was intended. When they brought in the Soviet system... It was intended, as Lenin said, to eventually, after seventy odd years, blend it into the new system, not quite capitalist, not quite communism that 's what' got now is it's loosely called the New World order, but it 's yeah. run by scientists Pavlovian style, and the public are trained uh, like animals, and that 's what they call them like animals
3: yeah, and this, this, uh, the, while they also have they have the to top down. They also have, have created a bottom-up with this communitarianism where small That's right. towns and it, are implementing it was that all uh, across the United
1: States. It are was they Bush Sr. that Canada? first gave the go-ahead for, for to call it communitarianism. Bush Sr., who also, being a president, was also head of the CIA – so this is a guy who came out and says, yeah, communitarianism is the way to go. And sure enough, every local TV and radio station are pushing your little communitarian events in your local community. You're all part of a community. And eventually, if you don't attend these functions one day, uh, you'll be under suspicion. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh, right, I thank you very much.
1: Thanks for calling. Okay. And that's what we have. It's it's, uh, it's a well We live through another schedule, through an agenda. We live through it. Most of the major events in your life are simply part of a long-term plan, and they know where they're going. And unfortunately, the masses follow on and adapt into the new parts of the new culture without even noticing. They've no memory of what was before. That's another part too. Now, was that, that Bill from Florida? Is it Bill from Florida there? Okay. Now I've got Alex from Toronto.
4: Hi, Alan. Hello. Alan, the new yes. Batman movie is called The Dark Knight. Who is The Dark
1: Knight? The Dark knights. Uh there's, there's a whole bunch of knights. There's a Red Knight and the Blue and the Green. Mm-hmm. And there's also the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, again, um, is the one who comes from the controller. You might see the controller. Mm-hmm. He's got special permission. He has more rights than other knights. He can get around them. He doesn't have to joust with them. He must open up the, the, the way to let them pass. The other knights must always fight. Remember, white and black are not colors, Mm -hmm. you you see? Oh, okay. And the the white um, basically reflects, uh, black absorbs all the light of the sun, so he's got permission to go through all the other quadrants of the system.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I I recently watched um, uh, Blade Runner again, and at the end of the movie... Roy Batty, the lead repl- leader replicant, just before he dies, he's on top of a building and it's dark night and it's raining, and in the background is a logo, a neon logo sign, and it says yes. TDK, mm-hmm. huge, and that's the Dark Knight.
1: Yeah, he's the Dark Knight. That's right.
4: Yeah, interesting. <laughs> and and another one good, good one to
1: watch is uh, it was called Dark City. Is another good one to watch.
4: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, Dark City. Okay. There's um, a lot of allegories in the of the system.
4: Yeah. I was uh, uh, watching a movie the other day. I went to the theater and had a whole bunch of trailers, and it was interesting. They're redoing the uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. And uh, there's a point there's there's a point in the movie where uh, the alien character says to uh, one of the uh, Earthlings, says if the Earth dies, you die. But yeah. if you die, the
1: Earth survives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, a lot comes out of the, from the culture creators at the top. Remember, the Pentagon is one of the biggest funders of Hollywood.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And all these new movies that are coming out, because I've seen all the trailers that are coming out for 2008, 2009, they're like, all of them are apocalyptic versions, uh, visions yes.
1: of the future. Yes, and they all show uh, a future with a big military mm. serving an elite that you seldom ever see, yeah. and just masses of people living in rubble, all yeah. the commoners. Yeah, Yeah, it,
4: exactly, yeah. Dystopia, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay, now, thanks, thanks, Alan. Thanks for calling. Bye. Now, I've got Kyle in Connecticut. Hello, Alan. Hello.
2: Well, we know that they're attacking us by the air, water, and food, but what do you think about he who controls your eyes controls your mind?
1: What do I think about what controls your mind? He who controls your eyes controls yeah. your mind. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Well, that's that's pretty well it. Um, the ancients, even Zoroastrianism, uh, they understood uh, that uh, between the eyes and the mind itself, if they could get between the eye and the mind, they could give or re-alter or give a new perception, a false one, of what you were actually seeing. And once that one generation was trained, they would train their children. It's very simple. And so everyone had fire before... Zorian uh, so we asked came along. Uh, however, with the new religion, suddenly that fire was a sacred fire from the sun, from the, the high God. So you, you treated it with respect, and it was not just fire anymore. It was a whole... And not only that, you had to get special permission to light it, etc., and certain ways to deal with it. So your whole behavior was altered from, from a priestly indoctrination that was given to one generation that's then passed on to the other. Perception is the key they can alter perception uh, because even though when you're looking at something they tell you what you're supposed to see and most people will always throw out their own uh, reasoning and accept what they're supposed to see by what they think are superior people it's, yes. it's a very simple technique yeah
2: why do people tend to flock towards this collectivism instead of uh, you know thinking
1: for themselves it's the war that's been good on for eons and people don't realize that only in the last, for about 200 odd years, you've had the ability or, say, the right to be an individual. In the feudal system and prior to the feudal systems down through the ages, many feudal systems, you had a fixed type society and you already had a collective society. You were all taught the same basic rules by the religion given to you and you didn't question it. Uh, it's very simple, but you're, collectively you're... you're your subsistence and your existence depended upon each other, a tribal-type system, only a new tribal-type system where you basically fed a small elite and had very little for yourself. So individualism is a fairly recent phenomenon. However, that's when all the trouble started with revolutionaries because, because the elite realized that if individualism really took off, they would, would lose control over time. And these guys plan ahead, uh, and that's why uh, they gave us big forms of collective behavior. Now, if you look really at the dialectic technique and you study see the Americanism of the 60s and 70s and the communism, you are the same kinds of techniques of propaganda given to both sides. You're no longer an individual, both sides, you belong to a collective And each collective was fighting the other collective. And they say, here are our standard values versus their standard values. So you you lose yourself in the collective. And most people, because of the weight of the world, especially when you give them lots of stress and uncertainty, they will be absorbed by the collective to give up the right to think. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks, I'm Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And just to finish up with the last caller there, he asked about why it's so appealing to submerge into the masses. This technique was used, even in Nazi Germany. It's also used prior to that in the Soviet system, where things get so bad and someone comes out with a doctrine. We are all accepted. Everyone is equal within that system, no matter how awkward they happen to be or unsure themselves. They must get a total respect from each other as long as they're part of that system. And there is a, a Google video that was put up, with um, also with uh, a transcript from the teacher involved in an experiment. And they recreated this particular thing that happened back, I think, in the 60s, where they tried it in school to give you the, the to go through the techniques used to make you a collective within a classroom and how quickly it took off, because everyone suddenly had a common cause felt they belonged and then could be manipulated step by step into something which they had to go along with and this is called this video is called uh, Third Wave Third Wave um, it's quite interesting how it, it, it's well understood this, this whole collectivist idea how you will submerge into a system if things are promoted uh, to make you uncertain of your own lifestyle or survival suddenly you belong if you're You've been taken care of. You must all pool together. That was a rallying cry for the Soviet system. We're all in it together. And, of course, you don't realize you're all being used for someone else's agenda. Only 200 families moved into the Soviet Union to create it. They became the elite, and they ran it their whole the whole 70 years. They still run it today, their descendants. But the rest of the masses hadn't a clue. They are all being used to build something up for an ulterior purpose. And that's the problem with all collective systems. You're always being used. Again, you're not an individual. And they don't tolerate individuality. Look at China, it's a good example today, and that's the model state supposedly for the world. Now, we might have uh, one minute left for, for Jeff from Nova Scotia. Are you there, Jeff? Uh,
2: yes, I am, Alan. Yeah, I want to ahead. point out the, uh, the fact that lead paint was banned from residential use in the United States in 1978 by the uh, U.S. Consumer Product and the Safety Commission. And I want to uh, get your comment on the connection between the fact that the military and industrial complex still uses lead paint um, in their own
0: for their own purposes. And I was wondering if that was to, because it actually uh, isolates
1: or stops the ability for uh, satellites to scan. That, that's precisely the reason. Okay. And microwave can't penetrate it either, so they want it to stop you. They want to look into your home, sure. Because they use lead aprons to protect you from uh, radiation when you're getting x-rays and stuff. I know. So, that, so. that's the reason that you've got it. Yeah, that's the reason for lead paint, as I say. Uh, it's a, a good shielding mechanism. They create the hype for it. They all get terrified to stop using it. They give us latex and all that other stuff that disintegrates with the sunlight outside. But uh, the military, of course, still not use it. In that way, they're shielded from satellite from any opposition... We are not. They want to look inside your homes, in your rooms, see what you're up to. And uh, they do a very good job of it. They've been doing this for the last 40-odd years. And we are the last to know, always. Always the last to know. We're not supposed to know really what's going on at any, any time at all. It's meant that we're supposed to think we know what's, what, what's going on. That's what the media is for. But we're never really let in to the real agenda until about 50 years after the fact. That's how it works. So once again, from Hamish, myself, and Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>